Hey, fellow Boundary Breakers, if your current delegation systems are not working to get you out of the day-to-day in your business, there is an exercise on our website that is the first step to get you out of the delegation catch-22. I'm going to throw the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and download. Sometimes our businesses operate in silos, especially if there's not a single person bringing those people together. And also, I see this happen a lot with businesses who are working with folks that are remote or part-time or freelancing or especially agencies because those roles don't see themselves as an actual part of the business, so they just operate independently of everything else. And nothing could be more dangerous for your business than to have these separate, segregated pieces of your business operating all on their own. Welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer. I am the founder of She Sweet Boutique. With over 20 years of marketing and business management experience, I work with small businesses and female founders using our signature business blueprint. On the show, you get tools, advice, resources, support, and encouragement that resonates with the modern businesswoman. So, fellow Boundary Breakers, let's dive in. Hey there, fellow Boundary Breakers. We're here today to challenge those stale, outdated, inflexible business practices and embrace a new way of achieving success that leaves room for your life in the process. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the difference between an integrator, a COO, a DOO, an OBM, and which one do you need right now? And we may be talking about the overuse of acronyms in the process. But first, we are celebrating another fellow female founder who's breaking boundaries. Today, we're celebrating Catalin Carico. I probably did not pronounce that 100% correctly, but Catalin is from Hungary and In 1990, she had this wild idea to harness the power of something called mRNA, which you may or may not have heard of, to fight disease. And she is also the original contributor to the creation of the two vaccines, the two COVID vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer. So she started this journey in 1990 with this crazy idea. And for years, she applied for and fought for grants and funding and support for researching this idea. Those were not available to her. Nobody believed in her idea and nobody gave her funding. However, she refused to give up. Even in 1995, when she was demoted and not able to achieve her full professorship at the University of Pennsylvania, she did not give up. She went through years of self-doubt, some family drama, some health issues, and her response was to make better experiments. 
So finally, in 2005, 15 years after her initial hypothesis about this mRNA, she experienced a breakthrough in her research, and one of her published papers caught the attention of two scientists who actually later went on to found Pfizer and Moderna, who have given us two of our COVID vaccines today. So long story short, I am just in awe of this woman who battled rejection over and over and over for extended periods of time and at every turn of her journey, and she never gave up. And now she's a primary contributor to this vaccine that may be the key to containing COVID. So to me, this is just a touching and meaningful story in the value of diversity, because we have someone from another country and someone who is a woman, and also perseverance. One of the things that stuck out to me about Catalan's story is how, and in fact, I think she even said this in an interview in one of the articles that I read, is how she fought this imposter syndrome. Because when you're getting turned down over and over, she was questioning, am I smart enough? Am I good enough? And I just ask myself, imagine if this Hungarian woman had given up, if she had given up, I don't know where we'd be today. Where would we be today? So anyway, that's what I'm here to do, is to give as many women as possible, just like Catalin, the opportunity and support to share your gifts. All right, then, let's get into today's content. What exactly is an integrator? And what's the difference between an integrator, a COO, a T-O-O, or an OBM. Have you heard these terms before? I'm going to start by explaining what an integrator is, because I hear this question a lot. It's a fairly new term, and if you're not running around in all the same circles I'm running around in, you probably have no idea what an integrator is. So let me start by sharing the definition of an integrator that I just pulled off the good old Dr. Google. An integrator is actually someone who brings people or groups together in equal participation to create a whole. And this really captures the whole foundation of what an integrator does for someone's business. So part of what they do is to help these creative visionaries who are full of ideas and help them articulate that vision into something cohesive that makes sense, and then to actually bring that vision into life. So these integrator type people pair really well with someone who is gifted in this area of being a visionary. So lots of times the visionaries might see themselves as someone who is scattered or unorganized, or if you have taken the Colby, they're probably very high on the quick start, which means they have lots of ideas and they're just constantly moving from one thing to the next. And I adore these people. I live with them every day. And they are amazing people, and we would not be where we are today without these visionary types who are constantly projecting these amazing ideas out into the world. So anyway, the integrator's job is to, or the integrator pairs actually, pairs very well with someone like that, because we are not that way. <laughs> we are very, very linear, analytical, logical, sequential, you know, all those boring things. 
So the other types of things that the integrator does is to just like the definition says, is to bring those major functions of the business together. And this is a little bit of a cliche phrase, but sometimes our businesses operate in silos, especially if there's not a single person bringing those people together. And also, I see this happen a lot with businesses who are working with folks that are remote or part-time or freelancing or especially agencies because those roles don't see themselves in an, as an actual part of the business. So they just operate independently of everything else. And nothing could be more dangerous for your business than to have these separate segregated pieces of your business operating all on their own. So the integrator is also considered the glue that holds the business together. So they are focused on people, processes, systems, strategy, and making sure the right priorities are set in the business. They are the ones who are running the day-to-day, and this requires a little bit of clarity because there's a lot, and especially depending on the type of business you are and the size of business you are, there's a lot of things that can be considered running the day-to-day. And the focus of the integrator is on leading, managing, and holding people accountable. And that's the part of the day-to-day that we are very good at running. And we've also been referred to as GSD people or get shit done people. And we are that. But again, there are a lot of different types of GSD people. So the integrator is typically the second in command of the business. So sitting, you know, right next to or underneath of the visionary or the CEO. Our main focus is making sure that that CEO or that visionary gets out of the day-to-day so they can play their part in the business, which if you haven't listened to um, episode one, go back and listen to episode one where we talk about one of the major functions of the visionary is creating these ideas that are advancing the forward progress of the business towards achieving that vision so they can't be mired in day-to-day. One of the things that a lot of these visionary business owners like you will find is that eventually you're not doing what you set out to do in the business because the business is running you. It is It has control over your life because there's so many moving pieces that you're the one that's keeping the train on the rails. The integrator's role is to keep the train on the rails. Now, A lot of what I'm referring to here in terms of the definition of an integrator and what an integrator does can also, you can also read more about that in the book Rocket Fuel that is written by Gino Wickman and Mark Winters. And it's a great book for outlining the differences between a visionary and a CEO and who is responsible for what at that level. So check out, check out that book. If you want to dig in just a little bit more, if you're a visionary and see exactly what it is you're supposed to be focused on. Now, the differences between an integrator and some of these other roles that are more common out in our world, like the COO, who is the chief operating officer, or a DOO, who is a director of operations, and an OBM, who is an online business manager. There are tons of overlap between all of these different positions. So it's 
not surprising that people are getting confused about who is who, who does what, and who should I need next. So I want to caveat this next piece of our conversation by being very clear that there is no formal scientific set written definition of each of these different roles. There just isn't. As with any job description or position description, a lot of this is open to interpretation. So what I'm going to share with you is our interpretation of some of the differences between these roles that maybe you can use to help you decide what's the next best role for you or which of these people is the best fit for you in your business right now. So the COO or the chief operating officer is actually interchangeable with integrator. Lots of integrators call themselves the COO because integrator is not widely known, but COO is a little bit more widely known. Now, if you've come from a corporate background like I have, it was a little surprising to me that the COO is what this role is called because in the corporate space, the CEO holds only a a chunk of the business that's responsible for all of the operations and the administrative portions. However, in the case of an entrepreneurial business, everything is considered operations because that's just how the business has to survive. It has to keep operating. And so for that reason, COO is also seen as the person who is sitting above marketing, finance, and any other arms of the operations, sales, HR, whatever other functions you have in the business. So a director of operations or a DOO, these people are also GSD people, just like integrators, and they play a role that is very, very similar to integrators. And in fact, depending on who you're talking to and who the DOO is, they might consider themselves the same as an integrator. In many cases, though, and depending on who you're talking to, there's a lot more focus with a DOO on the actual project management side of things. So when we're thinking in terms of whether you need an integrator or a DOO, and we'll get to some of these questions you want to ask yourself later, but there are some questions that you can ask yourself in your business that might help guide you towards what makes a better fit. Then we have the online business managers. Now the O and OBM, obviously, which stands for online. So these types of roles are probably a better fit for an online business or a remote or virtual business. And if you're not online or remote, maybe you're just looking for a regular business manager. This role is probably the most different of all of the roles we've talked about in that an OBM is a great fit for a smaller sized team. So if your revenue is under a million, I'm just throwing out some generic numbers here. These are not, again, scientific, but if you're under a million and you have a small, smaller sized team, anywhere from zero to five or maybe even zero to 10, an OBM can be a good fit for you because their focus is more on on project management again, and there's less focus on strategy. So they're more of a someone that you can hand off certain pieces or functions of the business to, and they are probably more likely to actually be physically involved in getting work done, whereas the DOOs and COOs are more involved in leading 
people. Now, again, the caveat is, and especially if you are a COO, a DOO, or an OBM who is listening today, these are not scientific definitions, and these roles can be interchangeable. So this is also not a full account of all of the similarities and differences, nor the scope of work of all of these positions. So hopefully this is just like a little a brief synopsis to get you thinking about what you need in your business. To answer the question, which one do I need right now? That's an interesting question. And my answer is going to be, it depends. Don't you love when people say it depends? But I think it's time to ask some questions right now that will help guide you to understanding what it is you need next. Now, the first thing we're going to ask ourselves is, do we need someone full-time or part-time? In many cases, especially for these types of roles, it's a super important role. But if our business is on the smaller side, and you might encounter this in lots of other positions that you're hiring for, is I need this special thing done, whether it's in marketing or finance or in this particular role as integrator or COO. I need this thing done, but I do not have enough work for a full-time person, nor can I afford a full-time person? Because if you're thinking in terms of COOs, we're talking about people at the level who are making six and seven, not well, they're probably not seven figures, but six and mid six figures in some cases, especially if they're working in big corporates. And there's no way we as small businesses can afford that type of expense on a full-time basis. So that's where this fractional role comes in, where you can work with someone like us at She Sweet Boutique, and we don't work for you full-time. We work for you part-time, depending on what your needs are, and you pay us on a part-time basis. And the caveat is that if we're working part-time, we're probably supporting other clients at the same time. There's a little bit of give and take there, but the give for you or the take for you, I guess I should say, is that you are getting this high-level professional service at a fraction of the price of paying somebody full-time. So the next question you might ask yourself is, what size of team do you have? So we talked earlier about the OBM or the online business manager being a better fit for maybe a smaller team. So if you have a smaller team, someone like a COO or even a DOO, when our main role is to lead and manage, but you don't have very many people to lead and manage, there's not a lot of work there for us to do. So what you may be more in need of is somebody to actually just roll up the sleeves and get in and get some stuff done. And so the size of your team is going to be really important. And and the other thing about the size of the teams, which when we're evaluating opportunities, we look more at the size of the team than the revenue of the business because of the size of the team tells us how much work you're actually doing. Smaller teams are by nature getting less work done than bigger teams, and bigger teams who are getting more work done or accountable for doing more work are going to need more direction, more leadership, more oversight, more everything. So look at the size of your team, and that's a good indicator of what of what or who you might need. And then we're going to be asking ourselves, do you actually need someone to do the work? Or do you need somebody to conduct the orchestra? So this goes back to the size of your team. 
If you have a smaller team or you don't have a lot of people on your team, chances are you're more in need of people to just get the things on the plan done or to help participate in that. Whereas you, if you have a larger team, you've got now in addition to the projects and the work, you've got employee relations, you have hiring and firing, you have budgeting, you have project management, you have employee issues, you have like a whole extra layer of things where you're the one. And if you don't want to be the one, then that's when you decide that we need to add a layer in there to lead the team. And then our last question that we might ask when we're trying to decide which type of role is best for the business right now is how much are you willing to let go? So I don't know this for a fact because I'm not a DOO and I'm not an OBM, but my gut tells me that in those two types of roles, the owner of the business is probably going to, by nature, be a little bit more involved. Whereas if you have COOs and integrators, the thought process is that the business owner is going to be less involved. And when I say less involved, I mean less involved in the day-to-day, but more involved in the role that they actually play with the business, which is the big ideas, the big relationships, the forward momentum, the vision of the business. If you're going to be hiring an integrator or a COO, you need to be willing to understand that this person is not an order taker that's coming to work with you. This person is a strategic partner who gets you, who understands you, who is a champion for your business and is willing to take that off of your plate and help you clear obstacles, make strategic decisions, create strategic plans, set priorities but you have to be willing to let go of that piece of the business. And in letting go, let's be clear, in letting go, you create that space. So again, going back to episode one, is you have more opportunities for that brain space or those CEO days if you are not highly involved in the day-to-day. Let's talk a little bit about, I've done a lot of caveating in this episode, and that's because I have First of all, I have mad respect for anybody who sits in this role, and I don't want to be pitting different roles against each other. So I want to be clear about one of the things that happens out there when somebody is out searching for an integrator or a DOO or an OBM. We're searching for a role. So we put out a job description that has OBM or DOO or integrator in the title, and that is the main driver of the job description. Job titles are not a good representation of what it is you need done in the business. I've found this. And so I want to dissuade you from trying to find the title fit before you find the function fit. What is a function fit? I am so glad you asked. So instead of focusing on the job title of the role that you are looking for, what we like to do when we are finding or identifying gaps in the business that are not being filled by someone's butt in a seat is 
we are looking through all of the functions and the responsibilities that are happening on a regular basis in the business, making a list of them. So for example, if you feel like there's a gap or you feel like there's something you need to get off of your plate, the best thing to do is just sit with a piece of paper or a spreadsheet or a Google Doc or whatever it is that you have available to you, a napkin, whatever, and just start writing down, these are the things I don't want to do anymore. I hate doing these. I don't like doing these. I don't have time to do these. These are the things that would make my business better but are not currently happening in the business, or these are the things that are happening and not happening very well. All of those things go on this napkin or the spreadsheet or the Google Doc. And then when you're done, you can go back through this list and see patterns. You can see things that fit together. And then that becomes part of the job description. And that really describes the person that you're looking for. And oftentimes in this exercise, what I've found, I do this for myself. I do this for my clients. And what I find is in this exercise, who we thought we needed isn't actually who we needed. So hopefully in this exercise, you will find some more clarity about the types of responsibilities you're looking to fill. And then once you have that list, you can look back through these job descriptions and see which one is a better fit for those particular roles. So to wrap things up on the difference between the integrator, the COO, the DOO, and the OBM and the acronyms is, again, don't get confused by the job titles and start with the list of the functions and the responsibilities before you start searching for a warm body to fill a seat. And keep in mind, regardless of who you're hiring, any of these roles, the goal is to get you out of the majority of the day-to-day workload of running your business. So whatever it is that you're doing right now that you need to get off of your plate that's who needs to step in and take that off your shoulders. Okay, let's move on to my weekly rant session. This week, I'm intrigued by this philosophy of cancel culture. I have been following the news. I've been reading on social media. People are embracing this idea or this concept of cancel culture. And people are also ranting, like I am, ranting against the idea of cancel culture. So cancel culture, in my mind, is as a consumer, is any time we can show our support or our unsupport by voting with either our dollars or our visits or what have you. We're, we're voting in some way. Usually in, in this case, today we're talking about how we vote with our dollars. Depending on which side of the fence you're on with cancel culture, it's part of the benefits or the drawbacks of capitalism and the free market. A lot of people are in support of the philosophy of cancel culture, and, and they think that that's the law of supply and demand. And so if you want to go out there and be going against the grain or spreading, you know, negativity, then you're going to have fewer customers and nature is going to take us take its course in that way. But a lot of people are against this. And they think it's I'm not exactly understanding what the against 
argument is. So if you are one of these people that's against cancel culture, I'd love for you to reach out to me on LinkedIn and share share your ideas with us. But either way, whether you agree or don't agree, it's our right as a consumer to purchase from whomever we choose. Right or wrong, that's just how it works today. So as a business owner, this makes it extra important, extra special important to know, to understand, and to exude your brand so you are able to connect with people who share your same values. This is a huge part of the business blueprint that we work through with clients is creating, turning your business into a person so the business itself has a personality, it has thoughts, it has feelings. I mean, it's basically a person. And in doing that, what we're able to do is to connect with those people who are our ideal audience, to connect with people who are more likely to be loyal and advocate, to be loyal buyers and to advocate for our business. So on the flip side, you risk losing customers when you voice your opinion. And that can be terrifying for a lot of us. And I'm not sure if that's you or not. I know I've fallen into that camp a few times, but a lot of businesses are afraid to voice their their brand values, especially when there is some conflict around that topic in the market because they can risk alienating people. But I always, always, always like to make the point that, yeah, you might lose some buyers. But guess what? The buyers that you're losing or the customers that you're losing were never your ideal customer to begin with. And those are the people you have to work harder to capture. And then they don't stick around as long. Because if you've got that values connection with your customers, it's going to be so much easier and less costly for you to keep people around who support you, who believe the same things you believe and value the same things that you value. So again, I'm starting this conversation about cancel culture over on LinkedIn. And I've said this before, but LinkedIn is so underutilized when it comes to a platform for businesses for social media. So if we're not already connected over on LinkedIn, look me up. I am Casey Gromer. I want you to request a connection with me. Just quickly tell me that you know me from the podcast or you heard this podcast episode. And then let's have a conversation about cancel culture. And you can even search my activity and find my post about cancel culture. And we can engage there and engage with other listeners and have that conversation. Honey, what is it that you wanted to tell our listeners today? Get out there and break some boundaries and do it for me and my generation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. If you enjoyed this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in? You can connect with me on LinkedIn using the link in the show notes. And until next week, don't be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries.